0: everybody welcome to Mormonish I'm Rebecca
1: and I'm Landon
0: and no you're not on the wrong YouTube channel uh, despite how Landon is dressed tonight Landon what is happening <laughs>
1: well, you can take the Mormon out of the church but you can't take him out of his white shirt and tie you know
0: <laughs> well there it is I have to say I- I've known you for a few years and I've never seen you dressed like this so you're gonna have to give me a moment to get used to this so but I'm sure it has something to do with the presentation you're giving later tonight, so I'll give you a pass.
1: <laughs> it will all make sense soon.
0: <laughs> it will all make sense soon. You know, we've heard that throughout our lives, and <laughs> that, right. that statement right there is a little trigger.
1: <laughs> it will all work itself out in the end.
0: <laughs> It'll all work itself out in the end. That's exactly right. So, no, we have a really interesting and fun, I hope for everybody, episode tonight. And we're going to start off by talking about, I have to put these on, it's costume night. A movie screening that I'd like to introduce.
1: Yes. But I can't
0: see anything. Plus, does well, it look you've strange your, your that I. got
1: reading glasses up. Yeah. You...
0: Yeah. It looks <laughs> weird because I have reading glasses on my head and I just put sunglasses on my face. So, yeah, you're, that looks you're a little a librarian strange. Librarian
1: movie star.
0: <laughs> Plus, I can't see a dang thing. So I'm taking these off. Okay. <laughs> anyway, we wanted to tell all of our viewers and listeners about a really exciting event that's going to be happening in Salt Lake City. Um, On February 13th, that is a Monday, and it is a movie screening of this incredible documentary film called The Return of Elder Pingree, Memoir of a Departed Mormon. So we stumbled across this film months ago and watched it. It's absolutely amazing. It's available actually to rent on Amazon for only $2.99, so no excuse not to watch it. But it's absolutely fascinating. Um, Jeff Pingry is the Emmy Award-winning documentary filmmaker who created this film, and he basically uh, took his old missionary journals, pictures, film footage, um, put things together, and went back to his mission field in Guatemala. Now, you've seen the the documentary land, and what were some of your impressions of it?
1: Oh, it, it it was really powerful. I, I I went at it, looking at it like, oh, it's a missionary movie. I'm not sure I want to watch this. And and then I started watching it, and I just really related to it because he's someone who's left the church, and yet he te- he goes back to his mission and meets the people that he served with and that he taught and baptized, and he then tells them, you know, that he's left the church. Uh, doesn't tell them, you know, anything big reasons why he just said it doesn't work for me uh and then you saw the people's reactions and you know how some of them just wanted him to come back but they they all loved him and and it was really neat to just look back and see what his mission was like you know i don't remember how long it was after 15 20 years later that he went back so it, yeah it's it a really powerful powerful film
0: Yeah. Yeah, And that's what's really interesting about it. So he is an Emmy award making documentary filmmaker and he's a photographer. He's a professor of film at Oberdine University, I believe. And so he has all this footage and journals. I mean, he really documented everything from back in the day. So through those, you get to know young Elder Pingree, the 19 year old, 20, 21 year old young man who was in Guatemala experiencing that. Then He went back to the mission field. I think maybe it was like 15 or 20 years later. So then you get to know, you know, Jeff Pingree at that age. And then it took him years after that to finally combine everything, the footage and the journal entries and the photographs. So then you see this perspective of an older Jeff Pingree. And it's just fascinating to see the evolution and the way that he deconstructs things and the things that he thinks about It is just a poignant Wonderful film. And so having watched that, we thought, okay, we got to get in touch with Jeff Pingree. And he's wonderful. I've interviewed him on Steve Pinecker's Mormon Media Reviews. Steve and I interviewed him. And so we said, you know what, we would like more people to see this. And we want to bring this to Salt Lake and he is coming. So this is not only a film screening, it's going to be at Groovy's Cinema Pub on February 13th, that's a Monday, at 6 p.m. And Jeff is going to be here for a meet and greet at 6, the film shows at 7, and then a Q&A after the film is over. There's absolutely no cost. If you want to come down and watch it, just show up. Um, it is 21 and over because of the venue, it's Groovy's Cinema pub, but we really just can't promote this enough, and we'll probably be talking about it in some other, we'll probably mention it in almost every episode, because we're just so excited to have Jeff here, and to be able to screen this uh, documentary, and we have a little uh, video here that we want to show really quick, Um, if we could just do that right now.
2: Hi, I'm Jeff Pingree, I directed the film The Return of Elder Pingree, uh, which follows me when I returned to Guatemala, 25 years after being a missionary there. Uh, as a missionary, I baptized a lot of people and had close relationships with them. And so later when I left the church, I wondered about those relationships and what effect uh, our differences in belief would have on them. And so I went back to find out. Uh, I'm excited that the film will finally screen in Salt Lake at Bruvie's Pub on February 13th and uh, I'm grateful to Steve and Rebecca and Landon for all their hard work and support in making this happen. Uh, I've screened the film around the US and in Europe at different festivals, uh, but I've never had a chance to screen it in Salt Lake City where in some ways it uh, originated since my family is originally from there. Uh, So I'm looking forward to it, I'm excited, and I hope you'll come out and uh, look at the film and talk about it with us, thanks.
0: So I hope that that gets you guys uh, even more excited about this event. It's it's really going to be incredible. And you can message us and ask for more information um, as the time gets closer if you'd like to know more. So that being said, uh, this amazing documentary sort of uh, inspired Landon to start digging into his own dark past as a missionary. (laughs) Okay, I don't know if it's a dark past. I, I don't know what's in your journals. I haven't read them. But he has put together. Just we'll just let Landon take it from here because he is going to talk about his own Jeff Pingry esque uh, journey into the past through his journals.
1: Yeah, I th- I think anyone who's who watches the movie uh, who's been on a, a mission immediately starts thinking, oh, what would what would that look like if I went back? Uh, let me go look at my at my journal. So that's what I did. I went downstairs and I found my journal. I actually kept one. For a, a large portion of my mission, uh, I kept a journal. And so I went down, I immediately got it, and I started uh, reading through it. And it's amazing how many things I remembered, but I didn't remember any detail on it. And so the the, the journal really helped bring those things out. And I started reading it, and, and it was really fun to go back through and to, to look at these things. And I, I even ended up contacting someone from my mission, just like he did, you know, and and got to talk to her. And it, it was really fun to do that. So,
0: did they uh, say Elder Who, or Elder, did they know yes. you right away?
1: Well, that was my <laughs> thought as he went around. Everyone seemed to remember him. And right. I'm going, would anyone even remember me <laughs> from from my mission? You know, but uh, I definitely have you remember. you ever
0: read your journals uh, before, or have I, they I been had, sitting I, there for decades? I put decades? them in a the box,
1: and this was the first time I, I pulled them out. And uh, I went uh, in 88 to 90. So, uh, what's that, 26? uh 20 24 years uh or so that since I've wow. looked at it so yeah it's very interesting but uh so you can see this is this is my journal that I that I took and uh so what we thought it'd be kind of fun to go through these and to and to kind of talk a little bit about my journey and it's going to be quite a bit different from elder pingree uh, uh, elder pingree went to Guatemala and it was kind of a uh, it, it was definitely a third world nation there was a war going on at the time he was there. He saw murders. He saw, uh, and so the people were much more of a humble people, uh, much more of a loving people. And he had a lot of really unique experiences uh, that were, you know, spiritual and sweet uh, that that really, really touched me. And I started thinking about my mission and I went to Indianapolis, Indiana. So <laughs> I did not learn a foreign language. I did not experience a foreign culture. So uh, when I went back, it, you know, it, it it didn't didn't look like, uh, in fact, when he went back, it looked a lot like what it did when he went there originally, but obviously it looks much different than the U.S. If I went back to where I served at, it would look like uh, any U.S. city, uh, you know, that changed a, a couple of years. So uh, definitely different, different uh, way that my mission went than how his mission went. His mission president ended up being a general authority. And it was someone who knew his dad before. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I think his dad helped convert him or was was prominent in his growth in the church, th- this general Yeah, and authority. one of the
0: scenes in the movie or the documentary is when he actually goes to the church office building and talks to this mission president who, you know, he thinks, do I need an appointment? Do I need to get in? And here comes this general authority running down the stairs, running out of the doors. This was one of the, just a wonderful part. Hugs him. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that they're in different places in their faith. And that was a wonderful part of the movie.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And unfortunately, my mission president, mine relationship was not that.
0: <laughs> You're saying he wouldn't run down the stairs. He would say, "I'm sorry, he's not yeah. in today."
1: He'd <laughs> probably hide. Uh, <laughs> so uh, anyway, we wanted to get started with the with it, and and hopefully we have some fun as we go through this and, and talk about it. So you know, obviously, you know, before I even started the the uh, journal itself, uh, I got the call. And and so, you know, you, you know how every missionary is when he's waiting for that call. What an exciting time that is in their life. Uh, this was back in the 80s. So you didn't have quite as big a parties as they used to have you as they have now, you know, you just kind of invite your your family over uh, your extended family and you'd open it. But I grew up. I grew up in Kaysville, Utah, and so our post office back. You know, now they email it to you, and they send you an email saying when it's coming. You didn't know when it was coming. I think they came out on like Thursdays or something. There was a certain day a week that you could expect that it should show up. And it, my town was ninety percent LDS, and so the post office would call you at like six in the morning and say, "Your call is here." And you'd you got a personal down and call pick it up. from the post office. You'd pick it up from the post office. You wouldn't wait for the postman to deliver it. You'd go get it. And then you'd call your family and say, We're gonna open it. We're gonna open it. And so uh, the family all gathered together and and uh, took the envelope, and you know, you're all excited. And I ripped it open and I started reading it, and it says, you know, you are called to labor in the Indianapolis, Indiana mission. And I was like, You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> uh, there was no excitement whatsoever. It was like uh, Indiana, you know, the, not much what's in Indiana, you know? <laughs> so,
0: well, and, and as you said, I mean, um, tell us a little bit about, you know, were you excited to go on a mission? What kind of a, you know, LDS youth were you? I mean, yeah.
1: So I, I was very strong in the church. I grew up in a very faithful family. I always had planned to go on a mission. I grew up singing the songs when I've grown a foot or two. Uh, you know, you, you went to all the ward activities where they always gave you a a calling, and you got the little piece of paper, and you always went to France or to Italy or
0: not you know, Indiana. No one got called
1: to Indiana. On those. <laughs> uh, but you know, I was in all the you know young men leadership positions, and and uh, so I was a I was very strong LDS. At uh, this time, you went when you were nineteen. So I had done a year of college, but I was I was all in. Uh I didn't date. Uh I was I, I actually was working on my uh I, I was working on pilot's license. Uh I, I started when I was 16. And so all my money went into flying and, and into airplanes. And I said, I just don't see a reason to date if I'm gonna be leaving uh for two years. Uh, what's the sense of of you know getting connected with someone if you're gonna leave? So you know I I hadn't even kissed a girl at the time I went on my mission. I, I was, you know, I was gonna be worthy, I was gonna be ready, and I was gonna go on my mission and and then come back. So I was I was all ready to go. Um I I, I don't know that I was excited to go. It was more that I uh knew that it was the thing I had to do. And it was one I, I was very motivated. I was working on my pilot's licenses, I had gotten a an Army ROTC scholarship. So I was also uh, working on the military, and this was just a step I had to do to to keep continue moving with what I was planning on yeah, doing. You sound
0: mine. very straight arrow. Like, yes, this is absolutely. the trajectory. Not even dating is going to distract you because you're going to do the mission, and you're just on the right track. And uh, that's funny to me because it sounds like, I mean, you had a lot going on as a youth, a pilot, ROTC, all the... You would think that they might have looked at your paperwork or anything and said, wow, this kid might go, I mean, did you expect that maybe with your background and experience that you might have gone somewhere else?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, as a, as someone who I, I had straight A's, uh, in school, uh, so, you know, i have straight A's, I'm going- Because in
0: the of the place. no dating. It's because easy to no get dating. straight there's A's there's when there's no dating <laughs> and no emotional drama going
1: on. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just- thought, okay, I'm going to be in the military. Certainly that's on the packet and stuff, you know, so that you would think, okay, this is someone who, you know, goes out in the desert and, you know, has to sleep on rocks and stuff, you know.
0: Maybe that is why they sent you to Indiana. I don't, you know, I don't know a lot about the topography, but
1: yeah, no, yes. It it was probably more mentally challenging than anything I did in the, in the military (laughs) class, physically, not so much, but mentally it, it was challenging. So uh, that, that was kind of the, the call you know I got the call and then I had the next couple months to get to get ready obviously and you you go get all your suits and your ties and you get get it you know and you're trying to be excited so you're trying to look up everything you can on the state and find out things about it so I was trying to get excited for it and so you know when I went to enter the MTC you know I was ready to get going and get get this adventure uh, started and 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 see where where it led and what what it uh what experiences i had so um i remember getting dropped off at the mtc and in those days your your parents went with you and then they came in and you went in you sat in this big room and the mission the uh mission mtc president got up there and it was uh done uh was it done i, I can't remember who it was but they they came and gave a talk and you're crying, you're saying yeah. goodbye to your parents, you know, it's a long drawn out process. I think that's why they've gone to uh, go in the garage and drop, drop them off. and. Leave. <laughs>
0: oh, oh, absolutely. No, I've gone through that twice. Once to put my sister in um, an actual sister, not a sister missionary, my actual <laughs> sister. And it's true. You're in this room and it, you know, ah, you know, and they say, you go this way and you go that way. I also did it once with um, a boyfriend slash fiance, and he had not been set apart yet. Usually you're set apart before you go in. And he, for some reason, I don't know what happened, but he was going to get set apart there. So he insisted on sitting there with me with his arm around me. Well, that's a huge no-no if you've been set apart. And I knew everybody was absolutely judging me with a scarlet, you know, A on my uh, on my sweater because he had his arm around me and I kept going, oh, and he's like, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not set apart. Like, but nobody knows that. So yeah, very awkward memories of that room when they, when they did. So I'm sure that's why now you just, you literally dump them off in a parking garage. I mean, that, literally that's why you that. don't
1: date before, uh, before you're, Oh married.
0: yeah, no, that's true. No, I've done it twice with sons and you just drive under there with my middle son. It, we were babysitting a dog. We had a whole bunch of dog food in a giant container in the car for this dog. We were babysitting when my son got out, you know, it's supposed to be a very poignant spiritual moment. The whole container of dog food spilled everywhere. The dog that we were babysitting, we didn't know. So it didn't listen to us, jumped out. I mean, it was absolute pandemonium and chaos. And my son's just like, oh, yeah, there's a reason I'm going. (laughs) But I was glad, you know, because it kind of distracted from the, you know, there's a heartache, obviously. And this was back in the day when you couldn't talk. You know, you could only talk twice a year. So I was actually glad for that distraction because it is. It's very emotional. To go and also to send someone on a mission.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I did. I would sent two sons myself, and that yep. was the uh, definitely. The, you drop them off, and I, I was glad we didn't have to spend a long time and draw it out. Actually, it was yep. nice to just yep. say goodbye, son, and and yep. and, uh, and let him go and tell him, you know, come back in a pine box rather than looting. No. <laughs> oh, <Yeah.
0: laughs> well, really? Did you give that advice? I said so- none of that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: ah, I we'll have to from do an episode mission. on that. I don't know. <laughs> So anyway, I thought that what we do is kind of start from that point when I when I got dropped into the MTC. You know, you go and meet your new companion, and it was amazing how quickly the the mind games started uh, in, in the MTC. And uh, I'll read this is the this is the second day in the MTC. Uh, I wrote and I said, well, to, uh, today was quite an interesting day to say the least. The days go by pretty quick in the morning and afternoon. But they seem to drag on in the evening. During a lot of the talks, uh, uh, during a lot of the talks, I get feeling guilty and shamed for some of the things I've done, and I'm almost ready to cry. I begin to wonder why I have sacrificed everything to come here and feel so terrible. <laughs> I'm trying to correct that what I've done, but it takes a long time to overcome this kind of guilt, and I hope I can uh, overcome it so the spirit can manifest itself uh, unto me. <laughs>
0: So, so day two day two a normal happy regular kid who wasn't even dating so honestly what could you really be talking about you're racked with guilt
1: and, and and i'm sitting here thinking back and i'm going i have no idea what i was feeling guilty about but somehow they had managed to make me feel yeah. guilty about uh, my life previous to this time and so uh you know as i said i'd been in the military and it's it You go into like boot camp or basic training. And the first thing they do is they try to break you down. They try, you know, they start yelling at you and screaming at you and telling you what a dirt bag you are. And they're trying to break you down so they can build you back up. And it seems like that's what the mission does too. They break you down right away. You're a sinner. You're awful. You're horrible. You better comply. You better follow up. You better obey the rules or, you know, bad things are going to happen <laughs> to you uh, and, and you should go home. So uh, that was day two. Uh, when I read through there, I was just going, wow, that's that's really amazing. So it, it wasn't, I, I was in the MTC three weeks because I was there for um, a, a, a domestic mission. Um, but uh, it's it's funny because this this just tells you kind of where my mind was at the time uh, that when, when I first went on my mission because uh, the prophet came to speak to us in, in the uh, MTC.
0: And which prophet would that have been?
1: This would be President Benson.
0: Oh, President Benson.
1: So he and his wife came, and uh, I said, today things really went well, probably the best day in the MTC. It started out with the prophet coming and seeing us, and it was fantastic. The Spirit was so strong because we were listening to a prophet of God and we knew we were looking at the most perfect man on the earth. <laughs> he had a love for us that you could feel it was like the love of Christ. When he left, he turned and waved like he didn't want to leave us. And we didn't want him to leave. It was a great feeling to stand up and sing. We thank the old God for a prophet. While President Benson and his wife walked down the aisle. It was great. Wow. So that so gives you feeling
0: a, all the feelings. All the feelings. You know, when, when the... The pinnacle of the Mormon hierarchy came to visit and give some inspiring words.
1: Yeah, I I was all in at that point. I was all ready for the mission. You know, I was filling the guilt. I was filling the shame. I saw the prophet. I I saw what uh, you, you know what uh, I should be, or what the what I was working towards, and that I you know I assumed he was the most perfect man on earth because. You know, to me, I believed he talked face to face with Christ. And so here I was looking at the man who looked face to face with Christ. Um, so that, that was, uh, you know, the MTC. Like I said, I wasn't there very long before I went out into the mission field. But once I got in the mission field, boy, things changed really fast. Uh, because that, once I got into Indiana, I realized nobody wants to hear what we have to say. Uh, you started knocking doors and just nobody uh would let you in it took, you you would knock for for weeks and maybe give away one or two book of mormons and and never teach and so it it, it got to be very uh very boring and very difficult to to follow so uh i i, I marked this this page in my in my journal to kind of show i said well i've now been out a hundred days and I still have 620 left.
0: <laughs> oh, that says it all when you're already counting down. Already
1: and you're counting down at, at 100, percent. yeah. And I said, it seems as if I've been out forever, and I still have forever left. Well, today is the first day of autumn, which means I only have one summer left here. If I put it that way, it sounds like I have less time.
0: <laughs> you are like someone in prison whose mark is scratching on the wall of the dates. So I'm... <laughs> I think this is going to make me really sad. I just think a little Landon out there and what he's going through. Um, so talk about maybe, was it real? You said you grew up in Kaysville, 90% Mormon. You probably hadn't experienced being around, well, maybe in the military, but around a lot of people that weren't similar to you in their religious views. Were you surprised that nobody wanted to hear anything? Or were you kind of prepared for that? Even so, was that still a surprise that really nobody wanted to hear.
1: I I think it was a surprise because I grew up, you know, having those activities where they, you know, they they do these little role plays and you know you'd convert 17 people at the activity that night yeah. and they all joined and and I even in in here I I noticed as I was reading through my journal one one of the MTC activities we were supposed to set up a booth and give out book of mormons at the MTC, you know, <laughs> and we gave away 67 Book of Mormons, and it was like, wow, we're <laughs> awesome, you know, in the MTC. <laughs> you
0: know, I wish they would have, because I was part of that too, like the they'd say in the ward, do you want the missionaries to come, or the kids that are prepared to go on missions to come over, and you pretend to be an investigator, so I did that once, and I was supposed to be the investigator that had a question. I don't know. They they saw it somehow yes. in me that I would be the type that might have a question. <laughs> but my question was just like, I really like to drink coffee. Could I ever be, you know, it was more like a word of, you know, it wasn't anything like, what's up with the book of Abraham? You know, I couldn't yeah. ask that kind of question. <laughs> I had to be a questioning member, and that was I'm I'm concerned about not being able to give up my coffee. And, and of <laughs> that course was about I'm, as hard hitting. I'm sure
1: you changed by the end of the night. You said, Oh yes, I'll give up oh, my coffee and join the I church. Did.
0: Uh, they, they help me see the light. Absolutely.
1: Every time. Yep. And, <laughs> and so you grow up being, told I mean, you're, you're basically launched as a hero going off to war, yeah. you know, and, and that yep. you're going to go and you're going to win the Congressional Medal of Honor and come home, you know, so you go out and all of a sudden, you're just knocking doors day after day after day. And you don't even, you know, there were days you wouldn't even get in any doors. Uh, Other days you'd get in, it was usually some lonely lady who had nothing to do. And, you know, she wanted to tell you about her cat, you know? Uh, so Hey, don't knock cats.
0: (laughs) Don't knock cats.
1: Don't knock cats. I have a cat named Todd that that
0: someday I'm going to invite on the program because he's awesome.
1: (laughs) I know that's near and dear to your heart. (laughs) But I
0: understand what you're saying. Yeah, exactly.
1: So... You know, I I did this. I went. I I started in Goshen, Indiana, which is up near South Bend. So just to give you an idea, you know, South Bend is where Notre Dame is. That's the Catholic university where you know not everyone that goes to Notre Dame is Catholic, but it's it definitely has the Jesuit. Um, everything about it is Catholic. A lot of the people are Catholic that uh, teach there, uh, and so you know, very strong Catholic up in northern northern part of Indiana. Um, after that, I, I got assigned to a, a small town, and it, it was called Williamsport. It was a very small town. It, the, the downtown had one stop sign in it, and the grocery store was one of these you know metal buildings. It wasn't like a real grocery store, um, and there was like one barber shop, and, and so there was just a little branch there, and it had uh, maybe 20, 30 members total in this little branch but it was way out in the middle of of nowhere. It was about an hour to Lafayette, which was the bigger city where Purdue university is. Um, and so we were there, I was there for five months and you could knock the whole town out in a day. It, It was that small and there'd been missionaries there forever, you know, so we didn't, we never found anybody. So the, the only exciting part of Williamsport was they had, uh, Good families there. I, I, it was my most enjoyable place as far as the families. Uh, there were two families in particular. The branch president and he, he, he owned a ville farm. So we'd go over and help him f- feed the ville calves the milk and stuff. And then, uh, and then there was another family there that had three dot, da- three dot. Da- they had more daughters, but they had three that were still at home. Uh, and they, they really liked the missionaries and had us over all the time and. And the uh, the mother there became my my mother. Uh, I just I just really loved her. She took care of me so much. And the, the girls were so much fun to be with and stuff. we, we always had fun with them. And so uh, I, I was there for five months. Of course, we had no success at all. <laughs> but, but I really <laughs> got close to the people. and I got the call and I was being transferred. Um, and so it, it was my last P day there. And they said, we want to take you to lunch, Elder Brophy. Um, But there was a problem. It was snowing that day. And it was snowing, and it's flat, and the wind was blowing, and it it had closed the roads to Lafayette. So we couldn't go to Lafayette. So they said, well, we'll take you to Danville, which is in Illinois. It's right across the border. It's probably 20 minutes away, whereas Lafayette's an hour away. Danville's about 20 minutes away. And that's where everybody worked, everybody shopped, everybody did everything there. But the problem was it was out of the mission. It was just across the border, but it was out of the mission. And I'd always had a problem with that because the the rules were so ridiculous because they actually, there was one little town that was in Indiana that they wanted to go to the Danville ward. And so they made the mission boundary cut in around this little town and back into, into Illinois. Well, because it cut out, the road went right through there, but we weren't allowed to take the road to go to the other side of our mission because that would make us go out of the mission if we did that. So we'd have to t- drive 50 miles around, which if you were a missionary, you know you only had a limited number of miles that you could put on the car each month and you had to record that. So we'd lose 50 miles going out of the way of something we could have just driven through because there was this little imaginary line that... that. Uh, you know, define the mission boundaries.
0: That so, is unbelievable. And and I do understand that, how they draw, it's just like board boundaries and things like that that make absolutely no sense. We have a church building right next to us that we attended. There's another church building up the road across the busy road that friends of mine attend. So somebody got a great idea that they should switch. We next to this little building should go across the busy road to the other building. And the people up by the other building should go across the busy road down to our building. So, you know, I do not attend anymore, but I still see this in action. And it impacts me as I try to drive to Costco, right, down my street. (laughs) Because, you know, where it used to be, you're going to yours, you're going to yours, it's this all you know back and forth and you know and nobody thought to say you know what let's just look at this for a second there's no reason that they you know so i understand yeah people are impacted and then they live their lives based on these invisible lines that are drawn
1: and you have to go where they assign you you can't can't make your own decision say no i'm going to stay with this building (laughs) not at all no and and that's how it was so they they took us out and um uh I wrote here um, a little bit about that. I said, um, let me see here, I want to find uh, where where I was. So I said, um, I realized Sunday in church, how much I really love the people in this branch and how much I'll miss most of them. We went to this family for P-Day because the roads were blown shut and we went to Danville to eat. I'll really miss that family that that are w- what made the difference between uh, surviving here or not. And I'm really thankful for them.
2: Yeah. And
1: so, you know, I went to lunch with a family who meant something to me. And while we were there in, in Danville, one of the members of the branch saw us and, and called the mission president.
0: On oh, you've got to be kidding that this is where this story is going. Yeah. So no. I, I didn't
1: know this. I didn't know this. You know, we, we saw that we actually saw them and went oh crap you know and and we because went because you're to- out of the mission boundary we're out of the mission by 15
0: boundary. minutes where the other place that was within the boundary to go to lunch is snowed in and an hour away
1: an hour away yep so okay. so we saw them we 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 didn't think they saw us and we went back to the car and
0: because we- you're so not noticeable right? yeah not <laughs> noticeable right in white sure. shirts well we
1: hoped we'd <laughs> spotted them before but they obviously had spotted us but i didn't know this so I went to my new area. I'd been there about a week. And, uh, and so I, I got a call. <laughs> and it says, today started out terrible, but ended up great. President called this morning, and he knows I left the mission. So he railed on me for a while, and I have to write uh, the, the, the lady that was like my mother, uh, I, I don't want to say her name, a letter, and then outline seven chapters in the miracle of forgiveness and send them to him what a joke. I called my, my mom <laughs> and we laughed about it. Uh, and so, you know, I, I couldn't believe I'm being assigned. I have to go read the miracle of forgiveness and outline seven chapters in it. And on top of it, I have to write a letter to the person who took us out of the boundaries
0: of apology. Apologizing like Apologizing.
1: I'm so sorry. And 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 repenting of what uh, I led them, you know, to to let us lead them astray by letting them take missionaries out of the out of the mission boundaries. And,
0: and I, I I haven't read the miracle of forgiveness for a while. Of course, every time I went to talk to a bishop as a youth, it was handed to me for some reason. But I haven't read it for a while. But I think there are several chapters on going to lunch fifteen minutes away. Yes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that is one of the things they were very concerned about in the.
1: Most people don't. I'm sorry, I'm being it.
0: facetious, but I just, I just, oh my goodness, what a terrible story.
1: It's mixed in there with the, you know, the masturbation and the uh, right. that it'll turn you into homosexual. <laughs>
0: That's right. Don't masturbate, don't go to lunch. There's so many don'ts. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I had to write a letter to to this family. And uh so, you know, I I I just went, wow, this is really ridiculous. Uh, but then I kind of asked, I'm like, do I have to send the letter, a copy to you? And they said, no, you have to send us the miracle of forgiveness. Uh, you need to send the letter to to the family apologizing, and then we'll check and make sure they got the letter. So I was like, okay. So I sat down and I uh, said, boy, you know, I feel like David after Bathsheba, you know, I'm just, uh, this is horrible. And so I said, you know what I need to do is I'm, instead of write a letter, I'll write a psalm because that's what David would do. And so I sat down, I wrote, I call it the Psalm of Brophy. And uh, uh, so this is the letter I wrote to to the family. I said, I am a sinner and I have transgressed. President called and I confessed. He called what I did a major sin. I didn't agree, but was forced to give in. president made me outline the miracle of forgiveness. Personally, I think it's none of his business. How did I earn such a terrible torture? President now watches over me like a vulture. How much more could the cost of sin be? When will I overcome and finally be free? My soul has gone to the depths of hell. Satan has bought me and he got me on sale. I feel bad about what I have done. You know the rules forbid man from having some fun, but through repentance I have overcome. I am no longer part of those satanic scum. Oh, how my soul and bowels doth ache. Forgiveness is hard when repentance is fake. The sin inside me burns like a fire. OK, I admit it. Yes, I'm a liar. Here's how I truly feel toward my sin. Pick me up Monday. Let's do it again.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you didn't have to send that to the mission president. And I bet, did you ever get feedback on what the family thought? That oh, is- they
1: they love the letter. In fact, yeah. uh, uh, I, I, the, the person I contacted after was actually one of the daughters of, of this family. Uh, I, I was friends with her on Facebook, but we hadn't talked for forever. So uh, this
0: is when you saw Eld- Elder Papery Elder Elder and him talking to people from this past. You thought, I'm going to reach out to some people. And the first people that you thought of were these people that helped you commit the cardinal sin of going to lunch. Okay. That's exactly that's right. And,
1: and I called the daughter and, and talked to her. And uh, still, she's a wonderful person. And, and I had an inkling from her Facebook page that she was no longer in the church. Uh, and so I called and I told her, you know, uh, you know, I'm not in either. And she went, you're kidding. And so we just had a, a great talk and uh, and and caught up in things. But they still remember this letter uh, to, to this day. In fact, she said her mom has the le- has the letter as as well. Um, so she she still has that and keeps it. And she's TBM. But what I didn't know and what she told me was. Uh, that her mother got called into the stake president and got chewed out for having taken us uh, out to lunch. And she, uh, their their father was not a member. Her husband was not a member. And she just, she just went right back at the stake president and said, you know, these boys play a part in my family. And gosh dang it, I, I don't feel bad at all about what I
0: did. That? But, I'm sorry. I'm trying to... I'm trying to laugh, but inside, <laughs> I, that, act, all grown adults. I, I will say no more. If you're watching this on video, you can see the expression on my face. If you're listening on audio, you can imagine. I'm sorry. That's yes,
1: full grown adults and they have to be called in and chastised because they drove you to lunch. Dared
0: uh, to take a missionary who's away from home and struggling to lunch. Yes. Yep.
1: Very, very difficult. Uh, and, and so I I ended up in this new place, Columbus, Indiana, which is a really fascinating city. It, it had a lot of great architecture in it and and stuff. It was really a neat city. But again, the work continued to go nowhere, uh, and no matter what you did, you you just seemed to never have good experiences. And so uh, I I recorded this, uh, and this is this is kind of typical of my mission, the experiences that I had. Um, I said, uh, today we went on trade-offs with Elder Elder G and Elder H, and we didn't have any success, but we did bash with a born-again Christian, and that was fun. This evening, we went to Elder H's and G's baptism, and I gained a testimony of Satan trying to keep people from being baptized. When we got to the church, their investigator was there, battered and bruised, with tears running down her face. It seems that her ex-husband didn't want her getting baptized— So he beat her up and threatened to vandalize her car and then tore up her baptismal gown. After talking with her and offering to postpone her baptism, she decided to be baptized and confirmed. The courage she showed strengthened my testimony of the gospel and of the sacrifice people are willing to make. Her only question was, is it it this hard for everyone? So... This, this was a baptism. We rarely had baptisms, and this was one of the baptisms that you're excited for, and we showed up to the church, and she'd he'd wrapped the phone cord around her neck, and and there was a big, uh, you know, mark on her neck where he tried to strangle her, and she was just in tears. Her mascara had run all over everywhere, and, and uh, you know, we we tried to calm her down. And, you know, in the end she said, no, I still want to get baptized. And she was baptized. I don't know what, you know, what happened to her, where she's at this, at this time, she wasn't, she wasn't my investigator. It was just, uh, we were attending there with the other elders, but, uh, that was pretty standard for things I saw on my mission. It seemed like every time we would teach somebody, uh, something would happen, uh, to where the family would come in, they'd get dragged out to watch, the God makers, which yes. was the evil film at the time, uh, or uh, they would have their pastor come and speak to them. And then they'd come and say, Oh, you guys are horrible after the pastor got done with them. And and we just ever anyone we taught, they never got baptized. Um, so you know, I've been out about a year, uh, just under a year at this time, still not a single person that I would taught had been baptized. And-
0: Did you, was your own testimony shaken at all? Or, I mean, there is that syndrome where a missionary goes out and has no success. And so then they feel, you know, that their only ally is the church or the mission or the campaign, you know, it sort of bonds you more to that and us against them kind of a phenomenon. Were you feeling that? Were you having any doubts? Were you wondering or just plodding ahead?
1: Well, you know, they, they tell you that, you know, it's, it's your lack of faith or you're not doing enough. Right. That's why you're not getting baptisms. I never I never bought into that um, because I knew that I was doing, uh, that I was trying, that I was working, that I was out there knocking the doors every day. And I, I, I never bought into it's me. Uh, it, it was obvious that it, it was the message. Uh, it was the Bible belt. These people had their own churches. They it's indiana it was very traditional you know you lived on the same farm your grandpa and his grandpa lived on and you go to the same church that they went to and that's that's how it was you know so you you couldn't take it personally because it was the culture but they sure wanted to make it seem like it was you not obeying the rules enough and and that really started to grind on me because i i started realizing these rules are are ridiculous you know we we couldn't go to basketball games and in indiana basketball is king especially in the 80s right. and so it's like everyone in town is at the basketball game if we want to meet people we should be going to the basketball right. game but you're not and allowed why to
0: go. why couldn't you go what was the rationale i mean just that it's not on a p day or
1: yeah you weren't allowed to do any uh you know, you couldn't go to movies, you couldn't go to basketball, you couldn't do any kind of entertainment, your job was to be knocking doors. And you know, in the wintertime, it's dark at five o'clock. You know, you're not going to be out knocking doors, or you could go to the basketball game and meet people. Uh, (laughs) But you weren't allowed to do that, you know, so it it, it always seemed ridiculous to me. And I just saw a lot of the rules that uh, just didn't make sense. You wanted to go help someone and they'd say, Oh, no, you can't, you can't work around farm, Uh, Machinery, because you might cut your hand off or whatever, and it's like, okay, I understand the purpose of that, but if I'm there to serve people that are farmers, if I can't do work on a farm or help out on the farm, you're kind of taking any ability to to help the people out or do any service is just gone. So
0: yeah, and it's almost like the rules get in the way of the actual work. I had a friend, and on his mission, very little success. And he and his companion had this idea. They were kind of in a more remote area of having a community sort of dance or get together and sort of in the early evening. And so they got some equipment from a ward member. They set up and they had people from the community come. And while they were there at the community dance, they invited people to church and it worked, you know, because they got to know them and people are together. And they're like, sure, I'll come check out what you're doing. So they started having this success by having these dances, I'm not sure if they were weekly or monthly, but they had this success where there had been no success before. And of course, some of the um, you know mission presidents, some of the higher ups wanted to find out what they were doing to succeed. Well, you can probably guess where the story is going. As soon as they came out to this remote area to see what techniques they were using to achieve success and saw that the technique was a dance, <laughs> dance. and maybe not exactly what you're supposed to do, not by the rules they shut it down, even though they had gone there to see why such success. So, I mean, it's just.
1: Yeah, the rules uh, were more important than the people. Yes, and and yes. I saw that over and over and over again. And, you know, it's not that I was someone who didn't follow rules. I was in the military, for heaven's sakes. I knew how to right. follow rules. Yep. I knew, you know, what the, that I was to obey certain things. But these just were ridiculous. Uh, the the level that they went to, to make sure that you, you know, that, and, and then there were so many of them. If you didn't, if you didn't keep them, then it was your fault that that's why you weren't getting any success. It was all about keeping the rules, uh, which was ridiculous because I saw, I saw all the good looking elders uh, baptizing girls. Uh, and then they'd be over at their houses all the time after the baptism and everything. And it's like, well, oh, you need to be more like elder so-and-so. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry. I'm not that good looking, you know? I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but that's- I
0: think they call that flirt to convert. Flirt to convert.
1: <laughs> and there was plenty of that and you saw it and you just said, no, the guys that are- it-, it had nothing to do with who you were. It had to do with where you were. The college towns had the baptisms and everywhere else did not. Uh, that was the only real successful places were the college towns in Indiana that that really grew. Um, so again, uh, another story out of here, I said, today was a terrible day and I am very disappointed. We went to see an investigator and teach her the third discussion. And when we got there, we found a note on the door. It was, it, it was out that her husband got very upset that she was seeing the Mormons and he ber- forbade her from seeing us anymore. And she wasn't allowed to talk to us. She did promise to keep reading the Book of Mormon, but I was upset because this goes on everywhere I go. Why can't God let me teach just one golden investigator and let me feel that my efforts are paying off? Satan seems to prevail and a whole lot more than God. I don't know why. I need to find someone to teach soon. So just the frustration of <laughs> every single person we came in contact with, uh, you know, that's that's what what ended up happening. And, and it it just very frustrating uh, when you when deal with that.
0: What were your letters back home like? I mean, I know missionaries are encouraged to be positive and paint a, a rosy picture. Were you letting your family know or your calls about any of your frustration? Or were you just sort of...
1: Well, this was the time when you only got the two calls a year. So you yes, couldn't express yes. it over the phone. And then right. when, you, when you did finally get to talk, you know, it'd been six months and it was more happy that you were talking to your family Then right. you know, uh, time to complain, I guess. Uh, but, uh, I, I got to where my letters, I, I, I wrote home every week, but they just get shorter and shorter and shorter because there just was nothing to, yeah. nothing to talk about. And, and, you know, they encourage you to write upbeat, positive, don't, you know, uh, and so I, I'm sure there were times I expressed it to my family, but it was so that that wasn't even a release when you do that because, you know, you have to mail it and it'd take two weeks before you'd get the response back. And by then you'd written another letter and you're trying to figure out what did I say that they're answering and, and that kind of stuff. So it, it really never, you know, you, you just dealt with it. And the biggest way was with other missionaries, you know, you, there, there were a lot of other missionaries. I had one that went home three times. They kept sending him back. He, he was, he was really psychologically, Messed up, and he'd go home, and they'd make him a ward missionary until yeah. they got him straightened enough to send him back. And he came back, and then he was even more screwed up because he mm. was so, you know, he's now got to start, you know, the months he was gone, didn't count. Now he's behind everybody oh, and my, no and time
0: he, served. He's oh, coming my back to,
1: you know, he's coming back to, uh, people who knew that he went home and, and it just, oh, you know, that's I
0: heartbreaking just, to hear, you know, that's yeah, heartbreaking. Yeah. Oh, there are so oh. many stories like that. Did you, how were most of your companions? I mean, did you have issues with, with them or was that pretty much okay? It was just sort of the, the work and it was, that was not as fulfilling. Um,
1: for me, it, uh, I I didn't really get a lot of companions that were that I really enjoyed. Uh, there was two or three that I that I enjoyed being with, and then there were several that I just went, oh my gosh, uh, are, am I being punished? Uh, you know, why am I with this person? Uh, and, and I'll tell you a little bit about one of them a, a, a little bit later when we get to uh, get to see him. Um, I came up on my what you call a hump day in your mission which is one year out. Uh, it's, you, you go over the hump. So um, I said, well, today's a great day in my mission. First, I have now been a missionary one year. That's right. One year ago tonight, I was set apart as a missionary, and I don't know where the time has gone. I got a special surprise tonight when we came in the door. We found a note from uh, an investigator, and this investigator was somebody who'd been going to church. She actually had a primary calling. She'd been going to church for years, and her uh, boyfriend was on a mission and she was just waiting for him to come back and then they were gonna they they were gonna go get married in the temple well he was out about uh, the same time as me so he had a year to go but you had to be a member a year to get baptized so she decided that she wanted to get get the discussions and get baptized um i said uh this investigator a girl who wants to be baptized but her parents don't want her to well she says she wants to be baptized next week and she just uh, threw me for a loop. I can't believe it. What a hump day present. I'm excited. That lasted one week, we taught her all six discussions, and her parents drug her out to the God Makers. And uh, I came home about a week later, and there was a note there saying I can't go against my parents. She said, I don't believe any of it, but I can't do it. And I'm gonna have to wait. And again that that was the golden investigator that dropped in my lap and still ended up no baptism. Uh, just over and over in here is the stories of that you know that that they uh, everything fell apart so um let's see um let I, I want to go. I I got transferred again then, and, and you know I've been out a year. And I I don't know. I don't know if they still do this or not. But uh when I was out, you had to write a, a letter to your mission president every week.
0: Yes, uh, I think that they still do do that because my that. sons have talked about okay, doing that. Okay, it's probably electronic
1: now. I don't know. Yeah, I
0: think it's an email, but you have to touch base. As far as I know, my sons have said that's the case.
1: Yeah, we used to we used to have to write. Uh, the letters to the president on this form, and they were they're a yellow form. This uh, I don't know if you can see the color very well, but uh, this is kind of the the letters that I wrote. And I I was writing these every week, and I I just started saying, Wow, this is this is ridiculous. I'm writing a letter, and you're supposed to be upbeat and positive and all that, you know, because you're writing to the mission president. And I was going, you know, this is this is just uh, ridiculous. I'm writing nothing happened. So I decided, well, I'm going to get a little creative with my letters to the president. And so about this time, I started writing letters to the president. And I've got like 20 or 30 of them uh, where I I just started doing... Uh, you know at one time i wrote it in in uh, reformed egyptian i wrote the letter in reformed egyptian and
0: what was he know, able to translate it
1: he he was because it was actually stick figures of us having rocks thrown uh-huh. at us as we knocked on doors
0: oh <laughs> perfect i love it are those the actual letters did did yeah, they... these
1: are these are the actual letters they gave did them they back the... to me when i left uh, i i became known in the mission for my for my letters Um, in fact, when the general authorities would come, they'd say, oh, you're the elder who writes the letters. Um, because I start, you know, I'd, I'd write quizzes and I'd, uh, I just, I'd try to be creative because I had nothing else to do. So as I'd walk around, I'd, I'd write letters. Um, I would I'd think up, what am I going to write in the letter this week? And so I'd always write the letter would, would be a report on what I did that week, but I'd do it in some unique way. Um, so for instance, this is, um, uh, this is one of them um, that I that I did. And I don't know if you can I don't know if you can see it.
0: I but, uh, don't think we can see it. it. You might have to describe it.
1: it. It's, it's all oh
0: the ends burned, are broken. Okay.
1: And the edges are, are the all edges torn, are singed
0: I, to make it look like an old document. Yes. Okay. And so
1: I, I wrote I, I added a little letter to the president. And I said, Dear President, this week I met a man on the street who had found an old document from our church. When I reviewed it, I found out that it was the original letter to the president. Of course, the president at the time was Joseph Smith. I knew this would be valuable, so I snatched it up for the unbelievable low price of $10,000. I am giving you the opportunity to buy it for that same price. If you want it, keep it and send the cash to me. It is really incredible because Elder Pratt had the same kind of week that I had and some of the same problems. Well, sure love you, Elder Brophy p.s the man i bought it from is named mark hoffman do you know him (laughs) and so the letter said dear president elder Hyde and myself have been proselyting in the vast wasteland of northern indiana and although we're teaching a few people the gospel in this area we need the lord's blessing upon these heathens that we might bring them to christ personally if i were you i'd dust the whole state by the way president i've been having some problems with my companion i like elder Hyde as a person but he's always singing Do you know what it's like to have your companion always singing a hymn from when he wakes to when he sleeps? If I hear, come, come, ye saints, one more time, I'm going to kill him. Wait, was that song even written yet? A concern we have up here is we need extra hay for the horse or another horse. 1,250 pounds just doesn't cut it when you have to haul six elders on one horse, especially when transfers take up 300 pounds and by zone take another 200 pounds. Just something to think about. Oh, I also think we ought to come up with some rules to govern future missionaries. We could compile all these rules and put them in a little white binder and give one to every missionary. Oh, forget it. It's probably a dumb idea anyway. Sure love you, Elder Pratt.
0: (laughs) That's your idea of what the very first missionary letter to the president (laughs) with an Elder Hyde and an Elder Pratt would have been. That's great.
1: That's right. And I was, you know, you start to see my... feeling towards the rules of you know uh, this is kind of ridiculous all these rules that you that you have to follow that don't 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 help us at all yeah,
0: you were rebelling in the way that you could uh, in, a, in a literary way
1: in a literary way and and that's <laughs> that's how you know i started writing these and i wrote you know 25 30 of them before i left wow. and and as i said you know i i became known Everyone in the mission knew about the about these letters. You know they'd all heard about them and and whatnot. So it became kind of a famous thing. Uh, uh, my my claim to fame, I guess, in the mission. But it uh, I'll, I'll tell you how it ends up as as we go on though. Um, an, another uh, one here uh, is uh, today's a sad day in the mission, Phil, because Grandpa Brophy died. Dad called me up and said he died this afternoon in the arms of my mother and sister. I never expected grandpa to be gone when I got home because he always seemed so alive, and I'm sorry that I'm not able to be at home to be at his funeral. I really loved grandpa and his company, and I will dearly miss him. I know grandpa wasn't a member of the church, but he was a great man, and God won't forget him. Grandpa seemed to be changing his attitude toward the church, and I feel that his faith was increasing. I only hope and pray that grandpa will see the light and accept the gospel so that we can be together forever as a family. And so this was my grandfather who, you know, I'd go fishing with. And, uh, you know, I I really loved my grandpa. Uh, But this is something that I missed at home, that really bound my family, because he, he had cancer, and he came and stayed with the family. And he died, he died in our home from from the cancer. But everyone, you know, gathered around, and it was something that really united the family, yet I was gone and missed the whole thing. Uh, So I always felt like that was something that I really missed out on. And my mission was getting that chance, you know, that last uh, few months with him.
0: Yeah. And and for those of our viewers or listeners that that maybe aren't familiar, as familiar with the LDS culture, when you're on your mission, um, you do not go home I've even heard of missionaries that didn't go go home when a parent passed away. You don't go home for family events or anything like that. And in recent years, there's a phenomenon where they'll take a picture of the missionary and they'll blow it up into a life-size cutout, a full body, and they'll stand it up in pictures like at weddings or mission homecomings. I don't know what the etiquette on a funeral would be. That might be a little uh <laughs> I've a seen little questionable. Do weird but things
1: with that. They take them to a know, football game one, and stand in there. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of the funniest things I ever saw was at a family reunion, extended family, and somebody had brought one of those cutouts and they had stood it up. In the group photo so it would look like this person was there but then it was in a park and it was a windy day and so the cutout kept blowing across the grass and so their answer was to tie it up with a rope so i have a very funny picture of a missionary cutout literally tied to a post at a park (laughs) i mean it just i mean the symbolism is is you know just incredible if you want to go there but it was just a funny moment so so yeah, missionaries have to miss, but families stand a cardboard cut up in your out, cut out in your place and go ahead and take those pictures. <laughs> That's right. I
1: was there prior to the cutout craze. Prior
0: but, to the cutout date, you really can't make this stuff you know, up. I mean, you really can't.
1: <laughs> they definitely are doing that nowadays.
0: Yep. So
1: this is a, this is a journal entry that uh, came from. Uh, uh, th- this was one of the most memorable experiences of my mission. Um, I said, this morning I woke to one of the most spiritual and depressing experiences of my life. I woke to a ringing phone, and on the other end was a man who identified himself only as Ray. Ray was ready to kill himself and wanted to know if he would go to hell if he did. When I informed him that he could not return to God if he killed himself and urged him not to, to, he said he had to. He asked why he shouldn't kill himself, and I told him Satan would then have rule over him, and it would be... Um, too late for him to repent. He said Satan already had him and asked if I believed in Christ, To which I answered that I knew Jesus Christ lived. Ray asked how I knew. I told him the spirit had borne witness to me that Christ lives and that I personally had experiences that let me know he exists. I asked Ray if he believed in Christ and he told me he couldn't. When I asked him why, he told me Satan told me I couldn't. This statement struck me powerfully because he didn't address Satan as a feeling or a sense, but as an actual being who he had talked to face to face. I tried to convince him of the dire consequences of suicide, but he said he had to and left me with a very strong testimony, which I will never forget. He said, I just want you to know that Satan is real. He is real. Remember that. With this, he hung up the phone and I believe he killed himself. I don't know if there's anything I could have said that would have made a difference, but I do know that what he said made a difference to me. Perhaps that's why he called me. Oh, the cunning of that evil one, who when he gets a hold of one, quickly chains them and drags them straight to hell, that they might be as miserable as he, I hate him." So that was a experience where, you know, just out of the blue, uh, this call, I had no idea who the person was, but uh, he just, the way he talked and the influence, it, it it was clear that he had some experience with something that had, had really darkened his life. And, um, you know, I'm certainly, I'm, uh, I'm a 20-year-old kid at this time. I don't know how to <laughs> advise him. That's you know, my I-
0: thought. A, a lot of young missionaries are thrown into these scenarios with very adult situations, and it can really impact you. I know so many missionaries that have PTSD, even decades later from situations like that.
1: Oh yeah, you 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 feel horrible when you're done. Did I do enough? I you know what? I, I I don't know what to say to him. I just tried to give the answers. You know, I gave the church answers there. You know, right. but uh, uh, that's all I could give. Uh, I, I I wasn't trained in any way to handle that. Uh, so that that was a, a one that uh, that stuck with me uh, for for quite some time. Um so as you can see uh, i'm I'm having a lot of negative experiences and not a lot of positive experiences and that that really got hard at this time I'm out uh, almost 18 months still no baptisms uh, after 18 months uh, and uh very uh depressing uh, quite frankly and so you know I continued to write my letters and I you know, that was my outlet. That was my relief. That's how I escaped from, uh, survived the num- my numbing knocking door day after day after day with no success. And so this this one really came as a, as a gut kick. <laughs> uh, today was transfers and I'm now here with my new companion in downtown Indy. I was excited to be coming here until I found out why I'm here. President talked to me today and told me I was very intelligent and creative, but I that I was too laid back and easygoing and didn't portray a serious enough image for a missionary, and I was too light minded He said other missionaries around me were influenced by my actions. Basically, he said to shape up. I am now a junior companion and was put with this elder to show me how to uh, how to be sharp. I've been so for here- those that
0: don't understand this hierarchy. You start the mission as a junior and you have a senior companion. There's two of you together. And then once you've been there a year, 18 months, you're a senior companion, meaning, you know, you've, you've learned enough, you know, you can help guide a younger missionary. So you're now told that you have been basically demoted. Yeah, you are well, now, I've been
1: a district leader too, you know, so the, and you had authority position, and then you, you know, there's zone leaders and APs yeah. and that kind of thing. And, and, and one of the things I saw was the mission politics. And that was one of the things that really didn't sit well with me was the mission politics. Um, Cause I just saw it and I was going, everyone's trying for a position. This doesn't seem like, you know, it's not a Christ-like thing. It seems more like a corporate thing that you're trying to climb the to corporate ladder. ladder or, yeah.
0: <laughs> and yeah, because so, you had a personality and a sense of humor, you didn't yeah, and, get into that and you needed to be relegated.
1: Yeah. And I, I was being, you know, nothing good was happening and yet uh, so you try to take it lighthearted and try not to take it serious and be depressed about it but you try to try to make the best of it so I said I've been I've been sitting here thinking all day about what president said and thinking about what to do I feel like they're trying to make me someone I'm not being myself isn't good enough so they want me to be some kind of a robot how am I supposed to be personable with people I'm teaching if I can't be myself I don't want to cause waves i just want to be myself i feel that i shouldn't have to change myself for two years to show that i'm a christian i was a christian before and a christian now why change i'm going to do what makes me happy i'm going to be myself and so uh
0: wow that's kind of your manifesto right there you arrived at it and you said it
1: and and i i got to you know i i ended up the this is the last page Uh, at this point i was you know I was pretty much uh, going. Uh, this is ridiculous. I've got you know six months or whatever. I'm going to ride this out. Uh, but I I wrote in my journal a letter to the president, and I I don't think I ever sent this to him because I I've got the uh, the one I did send. But you know at this point I I wrote my last entry in my journal on my mission, um, and it was a a dear president letter uh, that I that I wrote into my journal. I said, dear president, the past few days, I've been thinking about what we talked about Wednesday. I understand what you were saying and understand how you might think of my attitude out here as like-mindedness, as other people have also seen it as such. Let me explain how this attitude came about. Before I came out, I worked in a hospital as an orderly. And part of my job was to give CPR every time someone had a heart failure. Well, as you can imagine, many of these people died while we were doing CPR on them. This would happen once or twice a week and death was something that always happened. I would walk out of the room after and see the patient's family crying and mourning, and it hurt me inside to see people like that. However, I couldn't let it get me down because I still had a job to do. Therefore, I turned to humor to to cover the the emotions. The reason I tell you this is because now that I'm on my mission, the same things are happening. No one wants to hear our message, and the few who do always get anti-literature or something happening to where we lose them too. As a result, I become very frustrated. I don't want other people to see and sense my frustration because the gospel is supposed to make us happy. So to cover my frustration, I use humor. And as a result, I'm often considered like-minded by those who don't really know me. President, I want you to know that I don't take this work or the gospel lightheartedly, but that I know it is true. and, uh, And I'm overjoyed at those few times when I've been able to bring a fellow brother into the gospel. But President, I am who I am and I can't and won't change myself to fit some preconceived mold of what a missionary should be. If you feel that I'm not doing any good here, well, then maybe I should go home. Maybe I have failed as a missionary. But if I change who I am, I have failed as a human being. I don't want to cause any waves or problems. I just want to be myself. After all, I'm happiest that way. And that was the last entry in my journal as a missionary.
0: So you uh, never I, you never wrote again.
1: I never wrote in my in my journal again. I did continue with the letters, and uh, you know, I, I I continued to be lighthearted in them. Uh, and so this is an example of of the letter I wrote. This is the letter that I actually sent to him. And but I but said, you never
0: sent what you just re- I, read I don't to think us.
1: So because it, the date on it is the same week as the date of this letter. Okay. Uh, so so you realize
0: that you couldn't send that, although. Seriously, what a remarkable twenty-year-old to write something like that. To realize that, to be so self-aware that you understood what was happening, I, and then I think you couldn't really back send that to
1: myself. You know, yeah. uh, to yeah. to say this this is my mantra and this is how I'm going yeah. to live because um, this is the the one I wrote to the president. And again, I I I was true to myself and I kept my sense of humor. I said, dear president, now that I'm here in North India and very near the mission home, I would like to invite you to stop by anytime and just say hi. You know, we could even come to the mission home for a dinner appointment with you and sister Corey, was the mission president. Wouldn't that be great? White Handbook says nothing about soliciting meals with mission presidents. Well, this past week I've been thinking about the talk we had at transfers and I think that maybe I've been a little misunderstood. I dispute the idea that I am some sort of rebel missionary, but I do agree that I could be referred to as a nonconformist. However, I believe I am a member of a special group of nonconformists. You see, throughout time, there have been people who are misjudged and deemed to be nonconformists because they don't fit the normal preconceived ideas of what they should be, and yet they become the top in their field. I have come up with a list of such people so that you can relate to what I am talking about. Number one, Porter Rockwell. Deemed by many to be a murderous thug and outlaw who caused many to quake at the sound of his name, and yet he was the most trusted friend and ally of the Prophet Joseph Smith. He was often referred to as the Angel of Death. Number two, Casper the Friendly Ghost. Although everyone knows ghosts are scary, Casper made friends with everyone. Although he was often misjudged, he became known as the friendliest ghost in town. J. Golden Kimball, often referred to as having a like-minded sense of humor, but was able to Uh, but was called as an apostle of God and loved by all. Number four, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. At first, he wasn't allowed in any reindeer games, but when his true calling shone forth on one foggy Christmas Eve, Rudolph went down in history. Number five, the prophet Joseph Smith. Many questioned how a man of God could degrade himself to wrestle with the youth, yet he was a prophet. President, I know my idea of fun isn't arguing whether Daytimer or Franklin is the best planner. And maybe I don't fit the normal missionary mold, but is that really so bad? And so he responded.
0: (laughs) Oh, dear. Let's hear it.
1: He said, Dear Elder Brophy, creativity is so delicate a flower, the praise tends to make it bloom, while discouragement often nips it in the bud. I do not want to nip your creativity in the bud, but rather I would praise it and encourage it. Your creativity has discipline. Your letters present logical thoughts clearly and powerfully. Your humor comes from the unique association of the serious and the ridiculous. Not many associate Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer with the prophet Joseph. The best poetry, the best music, all blend freedom with discipline. Life without freedom is uninspired boredom. Life without discipline is chaotic ugliness. I really would rather have you find your fun as you do than arguing over the relative merits of Franklins and daytimers. As a missionary, keep the end purpose in mind to bring people to Christ through baptism then decide the discipline necessary to achieve that end. Within those boundaries, which are broadly defined in the White Handbook, is abundant room for your creativity. Personally, I would sooner have written Alice in Wonderland than the whole Encyclopedia Britannica. Sister Corrie and I will look forward to having you and Elder E join us for dinner at 6.30 p.m. Monday, January 15th, appropriately Martin Luther King Day in remembrance of a notable nonconformist. So
0: you know that that's a wonderful letter. Yeah, it like was. That, that is honestly a wonderful letter, and yeah, that he, makes me feel that you know he also was in the system and having to act within those rules and boundaries because that is a very wonderful letter.
1: I I, I kind of had a love hate relationship with with him. I, we we really got along well as as people, but then you know these issues would come up, and I'd say I just don't. I, I, I don't follow that. I I don't believe that I'm not going to follow that. And so then things would get messy and they kind of, uh, you know, this was a great letter and we went and had dinner with them and it, you know, it was, it was fun. And, and, you know, I kind of felt like we maybe connected in a new way, but then over the next couple of months before I went home, you know, we had some other run-ins and stuff that, that just changed it. But, uh, on the whole, it, you know, it, it, Changed my life, my mission did. Um, it, you know, uh, I can't say to, to me, the thing that made me proudest is I finished it uh, because it was so mind numbing. And I was someone who enjoyed so much. Uh, out, you know, I was, I was in ROTC, I was doing mountain climbing, rock climbing, flying airplanes. You know, I really enjoyed life. And then I just came to a screaming halt and I knocked doors for two years. And so that was really difficult for me. Uh, and it in those days you didn't you didn't go home if you went home you were ostracized your family kicked you out uh so going home was never an option but you know I had to learn in my head to 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 deal with it and to make it through and so I felt like I became stronger mentally uh, because of it um, when I got home I had the challenge you know you have to give a homecoming talk and that's so like I look back and uh strangely enough uh we knocked into a family, uh, in my last month there and they got baptized, uh, two weeks after I got home. So I didn't see it,
0: <laughs> but you had, you were instrumental. In I was
1: success. instrumental in so one family a getting baptized story that I to
0: relay at your fair, at your home. So
1: it was actually, uh, that weekend of my homecoming that they got, that they got baptized. Uh, but, uh, I ended up choosing for my topic for my homecoming uh, that Satan was real. Uh, that was what I learned on my on my mission uh, as that young man was, I said, I, I didn't see Jesus there. I, I saw a lot of Satan, but Jesus didn't show up on my mission. And so that that was the talk I gave. And it was amazing because after I was done, several mothers came up and said, I really appreciate that talk because my sons were struggling. and it's good to hear that that it's not just them. And so uh that's 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 my story. That's my return of Elder Brophy. Um uh <laughs> I just thought it was kind of fun to to share those. And you know, I've got all these letters. They're they're a lot of fun to, to read and look at. And maybe that's another episode, the letters to the president. But
0: the letters to the president. Yeah. I feel like maybe you could publish those. Maybe Deseret Book would take that on it. More like maybe signature book. So you did contact the one girl have you thought about it, in contacting anybody else because that's kind of the theme of elder pingree um in the in the documentary is you know just reaching out to people that you have such a great love for i mean i think we should be clear when we talk about this, this documentary this movie he didn't go back to say i feel this way now you know haha it was nothing like yeah. that it was just like i love you we had this time together this is who i am now you know, and everyone in it is very loving. The people may not quite understand what he's saying, but he, you know, certainly is just trying to connect with them on a very human level, which is why I find this, the movie just beautiful and inspiring. So, and, and you, I think, have the same idea. When you contacted um the one girl, you just wanted to reconnect with a part of your past that was a great memory.
1: Yeah. And there, there were a couple, I, as I thought back, you know, there weren't a lot of people because we weren't teaching. There weren't a lot of people that I connected with, um, the, the branch president of that same small branch. I, I, we sent Christmas cards to each other and, uh, every year until about two years ago, uh, he passed away, uh, two years ago. Um, I also, there was a, a, a senior missionary couple, uh, that were with us in, in my last area that I really liked. They were from Canada and, uh, still send christmas cards to them uh he passed away probably 10 years ago uh i think she's still alive i didn't get a christmas card from her this year though so maybe <laughs> maybe didn't so
0: <laughs> oh dear but
1: those would be the people that i you know that i kept in touch with uh but, what about
0: other elders? Do you, um, did uh, you re- attend reunions or
1: I attended one reunion? Uh, it was a little weird. I uh, just happened to be in the area. So I stopped by, um, the mission president. This was my first mission president. Uh, I'd never, he's the one that made me outline the miracle of forgiveness. I never got, I never liked him. I never respected him. I didn't, he was very impersonal. And, uh, it, it, he didn't even know who i was you know so it, it was like okay you know that's fine <laughs> uh so i i saw one or two of the air uh but uh once or twice i ran into someone my probably one i le- really liked the best was uh uh he he actually became one of the assistants to the president and uh i i was on facebook with him i'm pretty sure he's out of the church now uh some of his pictures look like he had Starbucks you know maybe it was hot chocolate but uh <laughs>
0: there are certain tells right this yeah so
1: I think he was out but I still I still cherish those relationships with those other elders right. and and so yeah it was uh fun to look at and hopefully if anything this uh makes people want to go see the movie and and then pull out their journal and and think of the uh, things they had it's fun to tell you Tell your spouse or tell others and read it and and tell the stories that, that you had.
0: Yeah, and I, I think look at it, you know, through the lens of who you are now. I yeah. think we've talked to a lot of different people on Mormonish and just in general about their mission experiences. And for a lot of people, it's the best of times. It's the worst of times. You know, it's such a pivotal, life-changing period right there where you're a young adult. and But then you have some experiences that still leave you you know, decades later, trying to deconstruct and figure that out. So
1: I felt it changed me. You know, I I had far less of a testimony when I was done than when I than when I started. Uh,
0: well, then the job was done the way it was. Put. <laughs> <laughs> did,
1: did its job. But then yeah, it's the reality. It's, the reality. it's the reality. Church, didn't have all the yeah. rules and it became normal again. And I, you know, I, yep. I did another 30 years. <laughs> I was
0: going to say you did remain in for several years you know, three more decades, like a lot of us. So, well, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your journals. I just, you know, just got to, like I said about the Elder Hingry movie, we now today got a glimpse into young Elder Brophy and also Elder Elder Brophy uh, and his perspective. When I was a teenager, there was a mission farewell and it was for a family with the last name of Elder. And he was the oldest son in the family. And I'll never forget this. He, he got up and said, I'm the elder, elder, elder. <laughs> that, is, that is farewell talk. Everybody laughed so hard. And I still remember that. I was very little. But anyway, it's been a wonderful trip down memory lane. And again, we would like to encourage everybody. Um, it's called The Return of Elder Pingree, the memoir of a departed Mormon. If you would like to view it on Amazon, you can rent it for two dollars and ninety-nine cents. And if you would like to join us in Salt Lake at, at Broovie's Cinema Pub, um, you can look up the address. <laughs> it's on Monday, February 13th, which is the day before Valentine's Day. It starts at 6 p.m. with a meet and greet with Jeff. And then the film starts at 7 p.m. And then when it's over, we'll have a and a with Jeff. So I think there's going to be a lot of people there. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful film. I, so, I can't wait
1: to meet him. Uh,
0: yeah. We've talked to him and communicated, but I think it'll be just amazing to meet him in person and just wonderful. So thank you, Landon, and thank you to all of our listeners and viewers. And we'll say goodbye from Mormonish for now. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Mormonish. We really appreciate our listeners and would love to hear from you if you have a story you'd like to share. You can email us at mormonishpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on our website, mormonishpodcast.org. And don't forget to look for us on YouTube and like and subscribe. Keep joyful, everybody.